You're listening to the King's Church DC podcast. King's Church is located in the heart of Washington DC and exists to make Jesus known in our city through enduring presence that brings personal conversion, purposeful living, and community reconciliation. We hope you enjoy the following sermon. Well, the sermon graphic up on the, the screen doesn't have anything to do with Twitter. I know that's been in the, the news. <laughs> uh, those are doves, but those are uh, supposed to represent the Holy Spirit, I think. And just, just so everybody's got a peace of mind, the Twitter bird is actually a blue mountain bird uh, I looked up this morning. But that has nothing to do with what we're talking about or doing this morning. Uh, this morning, we get the awesome privilege of seeing 12 of our brothers and sisters take the waters of baptism as an act of their faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, Here at King's Church, we define baptism like this. Baptism is a church's act of affirming and portraying a believer's salvation by immersing him or her in water, and a believer's act of publicly committing him or herself to Christ and his people, thereby uniting a believer to the church and marking him or her off from the world. Uh, Here at King's Church, we try to see baptism as it's described in the New Testament, and that means really two things. One is it's an outward expression of an inward change. Most of us have a pretty good grip on that, but also it's an initiation rite into the church. Uh, Most of us understand that first one pretty well. Jesus changes our life, and then we get baptized. We make an expression, a public expression of what happened in our hearts. Uh, But the other one is important, too. Baptism in the New Testament is how the church, uh, how we publicly identify someone as one of our own and welcome them in. Uh, But most importantly, what we'll see in these baptisms is an act where each of these 12 symbolically plunges into the events that have brought salvation and grace to our world, Uh, which really is the, uh, the passage that Robert read this morning, which will be the shortest sermon you've ever heard this morning, but really we see two things in that, that scripture passage that Robert read this morning. Number one, we see that salvation has appeared outside of us, and number two, we see that salvation changes us from the inside out. Number one, salvation comes outside of us. For the grace of God, verse 11, has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Uh, the point of Christianity at the end of the day is that there is a grace There is a mercy that comes from the outside of us that changes us. Now, this certainly would put us on a collision course with the philosophy of this world that often says uh, our problems are on the outside of us and the solution is on the inside of us. Christianity says just the opposite, that a grace has appeared outside of us, that Jesus has come into the world, he's died for our sins, As I often say, as far as the east is from the west, he can remove our sins from us. There is a hope that exists outside of us, a solution that's provided for us by God outside of us. And secondly, we see that it changes us from the inside out. It changes us from the inside out. Verse 12, 
godliness or God's grace trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Not only does salvation come from outside of us, but once we embrace it, once it changes us, once it works its way into our hearts, it changes us from the inside out. Uh, Notice, he doesn't say that it's anything else other than the grace of God that ultimately changes us. That is uh, greater willpower, more knowledge, accountability partners, quiet time, thinking a little bit more if judgment is real, pondering the universe. None of these things can change us in and of themselves. It's only the grace of God that changes us from the inside out. And this morning, we're going to see stories of that reality in these 12 baptisms. I want to invite up uh, Mr. Gerald Laborsi, who will be our MC over this, uh, this morning. This is, I think, the, the most exciting thing we do uh, here at King's Church, where we often say uh, the best thing about this church is its community, Uh, Well, we get to hear the community speak today. We get to hear uh, firsthand stories of God's grace. And so if you would, uh, pray with me this morning. Lord, we we thank you for these stories. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace to us this morning. We thank you for the love of God that has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that you've given to us. Lord, we... We pray that uh, you would give us ears that could uh, hear each of these stories uh, the way you've loved each of these individuals. Uh, Your faithfulness is great. Uh, Your mercy is real. Uh, We love you, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Good morning, all. My name is Gerald Laborsi, and I'm a member here at King's Church. First up for baptisms, we have Lauren Erickson from the state of Texas. First one, okay. (laughs) Hello everyone, my name is Lauren Erickson. Um, I recently moved up to DC about a year ago to work on the Hill to represent my home state of Texas. Um, um, I'm from Dallas, but went to college at Texas A&M with about about half this church, it seems. (laughs) Um, Sorry that we've taken over the church, but someone had to put liberty in its place, so. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So. Um, great. So I grew up in a Catholic household, but was never really interested in pursuing a relationship with God in my early years. Um, the story of how I came to know Christ starts in middle school. Um, when I started attending a Protestant middle school, I remember my conversion very clearly. I was sitting in my sixth grade Bible class, um, and my teacher, Dinky Smith, uh, was telling me, yeah, great name, um, (laughs) she was telling us, uh, about how God desired to have a relationship with us, um, a completely new concept to me that I'd never heard before. Um, he'd always seemed very distant to me, um, and too important to care about me. Uh, I had no idea that when Jesus died on the cross, a story that I'd heard a million times, that he did so to save me from my sins, um, as well as everyone else. 
Um, so why wait till now to get baptized? It was in the sixth grade. Um, I look back at my conversion and the spiritual maturity that has happened since then, and I see somebody that wanted to know God, um, but didn't really have the resources to do so. Um, I didn't have many people pouring into my life at the time to help me understand what this monumental decision really meant. Um, the past 12 years of my walk with the Lord has been uh, nothing but smooth. Uh, I've struggled with pretty much every sin that you can think of. I've had seasons of faithfulness um, and seasons of doubt, um, times when I felt close to God and times when I did not. I look back at these experiences and can see God in every season. Um, I've seen him come to me in those dark moments when I felt too sinful to accept his love. I've also felt his all-consuming love and the joy that comes from the freedom that he provides. Um, I was actually very hesitant to get baptized this morning. Um, when I moved up to DC um, a little less than a year ago, I was struggling with some deep theological issues and working through sin that I had committed and had been committed to me. Um, I thought that I wasn't good enough, um, that getting baptized, that I meant that I had finally worked through all my sin, um, and I was a good enough Christian to proclaim my love of Christ. Um, but that is truly the opposite of what this moment is all about. Um, it is about how sinful I really am, um, about how I'm able to have a relationship with God um, through Jesus Christ and through grace alone. Becoming a Christian did not mean that I had finally fit the Christian mold. Um, rather, it meant that I had finally knew how broken I truly am. While he calls us to follow him, he does so knowing that we will never live up to the standard he calls us, which is why the gospel exists in the first place. Walking with Christ does not mean that I am perfect, nor does it mean that I no longer struggle, but it means that my eternity is secure, and the one who died for me is constantly interceding on my behalf. The Savior who saved the world advocates for me every second of every day. This public declaration of faith is not for me to have glory, but for God alone. Through his gospel, I have found freedom and acceptance, and I pray that through my testimony, others may as well. Next up, we have Adolfo Salinas from the state of Pennsylvania. Hello, everyone. Quite nervous. I apologize if I mumble or start speaking cursive. <laughs> barely see. There we go. Good morning, everyone. Although today might be a normal day for you all, today will be a core memory of mine for the rest of my life. My name is Adolfo, and to tell you all that I have been a Christian my entire life would be a lie. I grew up in a home that only went to church on occasions when I would visit family in Mexico. I would stay with my grandma, and she would make sure we never missed a Sunday, prayed before every meal, and say the Lord's Prayer every night before going to bed. I unfortunately stopped visiting in 2015, and with that, I stopped attending church and reading my Bible. From that moment forward, I became what many call a lukewarm Christian, since I told people I believed in God, but did nothing beyond that. As time went on, I grew further and further away from my faith, until 2016, when I was faced with a life-changing decision. You see, since I'm originally a Mexican citizen, when it came time for me to apply for college, I was told that my H-4 visa wouldn't last forever. Once it expired, I wouldn't be able to renew it since I would no longer be considered a dependent due to my age and could face possible deportation. I remember getting on my knees, sorry. <laughs> I remember getting on my knees for the <clears throat> on the side of my bed and praying for the first time in years for help since I did not know what to do. 
Not too long after I prayed, an Air Force recruiter came in and told me that if I enlisted, they could not only pay for my school, but also grant me citizenship. I ended up enlisting right away, but never ended up thanking God or Jesus for helping me. Time went on and I started to pray more, but like many lukewarm Christians, I only prayed when I selfishly needed something. I would pray for safety when I deployed, I would pray for motivation during online college classes, and I would pray for a better job closer to home. The Lord answered all of my prayers, even though I wasn't living a Christian life. In May of 2019, a pastor from my home church reached out to me to talk about my faith. I thought I was going to be able to give him the same nonsense answers I would give people when they would ask me about my faith, but he saw right through it. He called me out on my faith being lukewarm, something no one has ever done before. And he helped me move from being a Christian to actually giving my life to Christ. I'm immensely grateful for that connection since my life has been changed for the better ever since. I finally realized how much Jesus truly loves me and how much more free I am because I devoted my life to him. Thank you for hearing my testimony of my faith for Jesus Christ. Next, we have John Money from the state of Virginia. Uh, hello and good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to share my testimony. Uh, my name is Josh Money. Um, I'm just reading from the script. That's. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have been officially Christian for a little less than two months. Uh, and although I've been familiar with the story and the teachings of Jesus essentially my whole life, my journey to embracing Jesus has been a process of intense deliberation. Since I was a young kid, I've been interested in religions generally. My dinosaur phase was mythology, especially Egyptian and Greek when I was a young kid. Uh, Christianity to me seemed like just one system of thought among many. Uh, this line of thinking eventually matured to middle school atheism, which I held for several years. Uh, I was first exposed to an adult version of the gospel that is not veggie tales during this period of my life. Uh, in high school, I was studying French, and they had us watch uh, YouTube movie, movies in French, and uh, one, of the, one of them I found was like a three-hour epic from the 70s uh, titled Jesus, or I guess Jesus, because he used French. And uh, I was exposed to the, uh, to the telling of the gospel with uh, French dubbed Jesus. And uh, I realized uh, Christianity was something profoundly different than the other teachings that I was familiar with. And I took that with me, and in college, I took a course on the Bible, which further solidified my interest. Although I was deeply drawn to the subject, because I considered myself an atheist, I resisted my urge to plunge too deeply into the study of it. I thought it would be best if I kept my interest purely academic, rather than make the major changes that Jesus asked of me. After college, in part inspired by the teachings of Jesus, I decided I would volunteer for the Peace Corps. Unfortunately, due to COVID, the project was delayed. I spent the year in quarantine, waiting for my green light to go, but month after month, it didn't come. During that time, I had time to read the Bible, but I was frustrated by my inability to put it into practice. When I realized the preschool was off the table, I got a job and moved to DC. Here I met a friend who convinced me that Christianity could be something I could actually participate in. It didn't need to be just an academic interest. I could break down the walls which I had put up between myself and God, and it wouldn't be backtracking or hypocritical. It was a victory to be celebrated and something I had craved for a long time. Over the course of the next few months, with the generous gifts of mentorship, church, and prayer, I built up the confidence to accept Jesus' offer. Since then, I have been immersing myself in the Christian life, and I would like to thank all of you for your welcoming and supporting role in this. I'm honored to share this monumental day in my spiritual life with you all.
From the state of Texas, we have Riley Rains. Sorry, hi, I have it on my phone. Very Gen Z millennial. Um, okay. Hi, my name is Riley Rains, and my relationship with God has been through a lot of different phases. I grew up in a Christian household with loving parents that taught the gospel to me my whole life. And because I grew up in a Christian household, it's hard to remember a moment when I really first believed who, that, who Christ was. Sorry, God and I's relationship never started with one supernatural moment of belief or a sudden understanding of what Christ had done. It was more gradual than that. Instead, our relationship has been a lot of small moments, a lot of small realizations where I come to understand the beauty, the kindness, the consistency, and the grace and the goodness that is God's character. Even though I call these small moments, they have still had a profound impact on my understanding of what life is about. I could go into detail on a lot of these small moments and tell you how I came to know Christ better each time, but to, for the sake of brevity, I'll tell you just how I came to be standing in front of you on Baptism Sunday. Growing up, I always saw Christians around me getting baptized. I knew it was something Christians did to express faith, but I remember asking my dad about it in first grade. And he, I asked him, what is this? And he said, um, sorry about it, and I don't remember his exact response, but he most likely explained to me that baptism was a public expression of faith and why people choose to get baptized. For some reason then, growing up, I had this expectation that I would have a supernatural moment or like a realization, an aha moment, if you will, of that I need to be baptized. Spoiler, there was never an aha moment, but also I went out of my way, I never went out of my way to be baptized. Kings is the first church I've been to where baptism is talked about very differently. And to be very honest, when I first came to church here, I saw the importance of baptism and the importance of a public declaration of faith, but I pushed it away. I thought, my thought was, I have no, I've been a Christian my whole life. I don't need to prove that. Then I went to a Beth, Ben and Wesley get to know you meeting. And <laughs> I was so nervous. They were gonna ask me about baptism and they did. <laughs> And they recommended a, the baptism book, if you, you know. And to, to be honest, I was determined to read that book and find fault within it. But it had some good points, and even after reading it, I was not fully convinced that I needed to be baptized. <laughs> then one day, I was expressing all of my doubts, all of my hesitations to my new roommate, Riley. And... She had this line, and she told me that it's all about obedience. And it was, it is constantly coming back to the truth of the gospel, no matter how your heart feels, and it's no matter your expectations, no matter your plan. So I stand here in obedience to God, making a public declaration of my faith. The truth is, I deserve death, but Christ, the Son of God, lived a perfect life, died, and then defeated death. And because I believe this to be very true, I have no other choice but to live my life in radical obedience to Christ. And right now, that is a public declaration of my faith through baptism. Next up, we have Roy Matthews from the state of South Carolina. Hey, y'all. Uh, my name is Roy Matthews, for those of you who don't know me. And I did not grow up in the Christian faith. Uh, however, I came to realize the care and love of God for me after dealing with the effects of several concussions while I got playing high school sports. 
um, I went from an outgoing, joking, slightly athletic uh, kid to one who was withdrawn, sad, and quick to anger. Um, through all these complications from my concussions, God has consistently given me friends, mentors, and excuse me, friends and mentors that have helped me push through and ultimately triumph over depression that I've had since I was 14 years old. Excuse me. I've been baptized once before, but my reasons for doing so were more to fit in and my depression telling me that I had to do it since everyone else was doing it. Um, I remember thinking as I was baptized, how is it that God loves me when I can barely even love myself? Excuse me. <laughs> Um, throughout high school and halfway into college, I was focused on getting back to where I was pre-concussions. Uh, in that process, uh, my track coach, Coach Fresh, because he always dressed very fresh, um, <laughs> gave me an opportunity to grow in my face and resurrect some semblance of an athletic career that I once had. Uh, through Coach Fresh's example, I saw how God uses believers to showcase just how much he loves us and how simply believing in what Jesus has done for us can change us eternally and give us strength to accomplish things we never thought were possible. Um, Coach Fresh helped me transform myself from someone who had zero faith in God into someone who realized just how badly he needed God's help and grace. A uh, recent moment of God's victory in my life uh, was my triumph over uh, my depression. It started as soon as I moved to DC. I was at a doctor's appointment and uh, my doctor said, yeah, you probably need to get off this medication because there were all these fancy studies that said um, you can have some complications later in life. Um, and so I said, okay, well, let's do it. And I was deep down, I was terrified. Um, I had not functioned without this medicine since I was 14. Um, I'll be 24 in a couple weeks. So. <laughs> but, uh, but I prayed and asked God to have my back and went to the bed that night, nervous to come to King's the next day for service. Um, and I woke up that next morning and felt nothing. Uh, no side effects. Uh, I got up that morning, walked to church, and felt really the happiest I'd ever felt, and felt true peace and joy uh, that comes from Jesus. Uh, Wesley talked last week that we tend to ignore all the supernatural power in God's life, but I mean, for me, there's no way I should be able to just come off something that I was dependent on for 10 years and just be normal. Um, the only explanation that makes sense is that God saw me through to the end of my fight with myself. I mean, he made a way to overcome my struggle. Excuse me. Ah, I owe my friend a slice of pizza because I said I wouldn't cry, but <laughs> um, I've, been, I've been truly blessed to be able to say uh, that I'm finally, finally at peace, and I'm so thankful that God has repaired my broken mind and forgiven me of my brokenness. Uh, getting baptized is the least I can do to thank him and I want to make known through Baptism Day my desire to live uh, for Jesus for the time he gives me, since I know I wouldn't be here without him. Thanks, y'all. Next, from the state of Indiana, we have Emma Hogsett. Good morning, everyone. Um, I want to start with a scripture passage. John 7, 37 through 38 says this. On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and let the one who believes in me drink. And the scripture is said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. 
As I stand here today publicly proclaiming my life changed by the gospel, I'm comforted by this passage because I know that only Jesus can offer complete fulfillment, restoration, and hope for eternal life. This passage is for everyone who believes, relies on, depends on, and trusts in God. And when we drink from the living water, we experience the intimate relationship of actually knowing God, not knowing about God, but knowing and being connected deeply to him. I grew up in a Christian household, and as the daughter of a pastor, I've never known life apart from the practice of faith. I look back and I'm thankful for my upbringing and the ways in which my parents encouraged me to have a personal relationship with Jesus. There was never a moment in life that I doubted, doubted God's divine existence, but there were moments I did turn my back on pursuing a relationship with God and chose worldly satisfaction. While I know that we live in a fallen world and that I will always be a sinner, I also know that with the help of the Holy Spirit, there lies a constant pursuit of sanctification. My parents decided to baptize me as a baby, vowing to raise me in the church, which I'm so thankful for. I went to church every Sunday and youth group every week. I memorized the words of scripture and prayed at every meal. For so long, my story was knowing about God. But it wasn't until my early teen years that I recognized the weight of sin discovered the gift of grace, and chose to devote my life to Christ. Among several encounters with God around that time, I vividly remember a moment at a Christian conference called The Awakening. It was there that I finally realized that it's not about the practices of learning and sharing about God, but the deep relationship with him that offers the gift of salvation. I went from knowing about God to knowing God, and have since aspired to walk through life alongside the Holy Spirit, however imperfect. More recently, there has been a stirring and an urge within me to pursue a believer's baptism and proclaim what has been done in my heart. I've experienced incredible growth over the past year, a revival within my heart, and a deep desire to continue to cultivate an intimate relationship with Jesus. Through dependence on him and surrender in the midst of brokenness, I've experienced his forgiveness grace, faithfulness, and steadfast love. Jesus has merged with the story of my life, and it's he alone that fills my cup. Today, I acknowledge that my reliance and trust is in God. I confess of my sins, proclaim that it is he who lives, who leads and orders my steps, and accept his offer to drink of the living water. Next up, we have Matt Ide from the great state of North Carolina. Good morning. I can read it here. My name is Matt Ide. I'm from Asheville, North Carolina. Um, I'd like to start off by saying I grew up in a, in a, a family that was incredible, um, that loved me very much and cared for me very much. Um, before the age of 16, I wasn't very interested in faith, nor was it really uh, present in my life or my family. At, the age, uh, at an early age, I was exposed to the brokenness of this world um, when I found out I had uh, dyslexia making learning, reading, and everyday tasks, some ne everyday tasks, nearly impossible. The Lord was very kind to me through this, though, and provided me with skills and a place to get me to the point I am today, reading this to you now. 
When I was 15 years old, I was introduced to an organization called Young Life. Um, it's an organization that pursues high schoolers like me who had not heard the gospel. That summer, I went to Young Life camp and heard the story of Jesus for the first time. I learned that I was born a sinner and that this world was broken, that all my life I had been chasing things that could not fulfill me, but I learned that Jesus could. Since knowing Jesus, my life has been a constant battle of turning to worldly idols that, th that I think will f fulfill me but never do. In the early years of college, I consumed myself with alcohol, relationships, social status, all to continually find myself spiritually empty. I, consistently was, I was consistently shaken by the circumstances of friends that I couldn't understand, relationships with girls, and a desire to have control over my entire life. However, again, the Lord was very kind to me and continued to remind me of who he was and always will be the ultimate giver of life. After a transformative summer going to China and serving at a Young Life camp, I was reminded of the commitment that I had made to the Lord and what it was like to live that out um, each day, pursuing him. I was surrounded with a community of friends that, I, that ran with me towards Jesus daily, who I was able to let live and grow with during the final years of my time in college. Since moving to DC, I have been incredibly blessed um, by this amazing community um, that mostly fills this room here today, um, which is really wild. Um, so, and y'all are awesome, so thank you. Um, and the steadfast presence of the Lord in my life each day. I have matured in my faith more than I ever could have imagined I would when I moved here just two years ago following graduating college, and have come to a place where I am not shaken by the circumstances of life. I have learned that I have my hope, I have, that my hope is in Jesus, that because he gave his life for me, I can live in freedom and joy, proclaiming his goodness to a place that is in desperate need of him. Thank you all for listening. Next, we have Lorinda Estrada from New York State. Hi, everybody. I'm really nervous. <laughs> My name is Lorinda. I am actually a flight attendant who lives in New York and decided to visit Kings one Sunday in a layover I had in DC when I wanted to go to church. I did not imagine that three months later I'd be standing here before my baptism, but God works in mysterious ways, and here we are. I am a woman who was raised by incredible loving parents who taught my brother and I that God is real, that he sees all things, and that he's our protection. We were taught the Lord's Prayer and committed it to memory, but we didn't necessarily attend church or know much else about the Bible. For years, I lived a very worldly life and spent much of it seeking admiration that I subconsciously felt I missed out on as a young girl. For much of my life, I lived with morbid obesity, and from a young age, I was very quickly realized that I was different than all the other girls. As a result, I learned how to secretly deal with depression, confusion, poor self-esteem, pervasive feelings of unworthiness that continued into my early 20s. Fast forward a few years, and to make a very long story short, I had carved out a brand new life for myself, a new image, a new body, and somehow was scouted to become a model. My modeling career slowly became lucrative. One day I found myself in TV commercials, on advertisements in storefronts, and going in so far as to modeling for Sports Illustrated. Now I'd reached the point where I was not just wholesomely selling clothes, but allowing my body to be displayed in alluring ways for companies that didn't just sell clothes or swimwear, 
but essentially use their models to sell sexuality and advance their brand. Even then, before I was saved, this never really sat well with me. At the time, though, it did feel like I was living a dream, a life that the world glorifies and relishing in all the attention I was finally receiving with it. But I didn't realize the depth of my attachment to this identity I'd crafted until I lost a huge modeling opportunity that I'd been working toward for about a year. And in the same month, had to begin the process of grieving what would be one of the most difficult endings of a romantic relationship in my life. In essence, I made idols out of both my career and my relationship, and as a result, ended up feeling like an unwanted failure. I began dangerously depending on alcohol and even cigarettes and food for comfort. I was successfully able to hide this from all of my loved ones. Sorry, mom and dad, they're watching on live stream right now. <laughs> I looked to tarot cards, astrology, meditation, false religious books, self-help books, and essentially sought guidance from everything except for God. I've always been a pull yourself up by the bootstraps type of girl, a woman who can take a hit and heal in secret. But this time was different and my life was laden with sin. And for the first time, I didn't know how to make it stop. That's when I called out to God and that's exactly where he met me in my desperation when I had nowhere else to go. For me, it happened in an instant through his word and by way of seeds that were already planted and being watered by loved ones who I'm so grateful for. God did the increase and gave me the grace to acknowledge his truth. Since then, the Lord has changed my heart and my desires. He's placed within me a genuine longing to exalt him for the rest of my life and continues to encourage me to make important decisions that further align me with Christ. I've quit modeling. I've put down every new age practice I once relied on. I've fasted for many people and things. And finally, this past November, decided to leave behind what was once a very exciting life in New York City. Over the last two years, as I've grown in my imperfect walk with Christ, one of the major things God has deepened my understanding of is the danger we put ourselves in when we make false idols. Those idols inevitably fall, and often we take a hit right along with them. I've desired many things in life, but what I never expected was that when I'd obtained many of them, they'd end up leaving me feeling even more empty than before. The world tells us that beauty and perfect bodies and popularity and marriage and college degrees and money will provide us all of the peace, joy, and satisfaction we long for. They make those things glitter and shine so that we might be tempted to desire them in place of desiring God. But the devil is a liar, and our time here on earth is about laying down our lives and taking up our cross. Only Jesus can provide for every hope and need. I sought the Lord fiercely since knowing he was the name above all names, and today I've decided to be baptized as just one more way through which I can glorify him, thank him, and declare amongst a beautiful group of fellow believers that the Lord is my shepherd. Over. Okay. Next up, we have Eric Anderson from the state of California. Good morning, everyone. My name is Eric Anderson, and as you can tell from my state of origin up here on the screen, I'm a very long way away from home. <laughs> Since I have not had the pleasure of meeting you all yet, I'll start off by giving some quick facts about myself. I spent the majority of my life in Northern California. I moved to DC only three months ago, and most importantly, I've been fortunate enough to call myself a Christian since I was young. I grew up with parents who were believers who took me to Sunday school every week, whether I liked it or not, and my extended family supported me spiritually as well. 
I still remember exactly which classroom I was in during Sunday school when I gave my, my life to Christ at such a young age. That said, at the time, I was so self-aware of what I'd just done that I intentionally decided to rededicate my life to Christ on the next holiday a few weeks later so that I could always remember the specific day when that occasion occurred. <laughs> Looking back, April Fool's was probably not the best holiday to make that decision, but uh, the date stuck, so I suppose my younger self wasn't completely misguided. Growing up in, the, up in the faith, it felt like an ex exclusive club, and the earlier you gave your life to Christ, the more respectable it seemed you were. I saw kids attempt to one-up each other with younger and younger ages, as if the longer you were a Christian, the more knowledgeable you were. But as I entered high school, my perspective drastically flipped. Since I attended a private high school, I went to my fair share of chapels and speaker sessions where I listened to a number of adults and even some peers talk about their faith and what it means to, be, to truly know and follow God. I remember vividly a moment in student council when the 10 of us would meet weekly to each share our testimonies. I listened to incredible stories from my fellow leaders about their experiences giving their lives to Christ, most of them even later in life than me. And despite this, it seemed like their hearts were much more on fire for God, and I was over here with my small candle of a flame that had been burning since April Fool's Day all those years ago. I seriously wondered if I would have been better off having endured a childhood without knowing my Heavenly Father. That's when I concluded that I wanted to make my faith my own, confirm the foundation of my upbringing, and experience what it truly means to follow Jesus. The first and arguably most impactful move I made was deciding to leave the Bay Area bubble after high school and attend college in Boston, even though I knew no one and had only been to the East Coast once before for a school trip in eighth grade. This is where my faith was tested the most, and I found it difficult to get plugged into a church to develop the spiritual network that I've been surrounded with my entire life. Even though there were numerous churches in Boston, I struggled to get connected with Christian organizations on campus, attend church regularly, and honestly, wait, sorry, oh, <laughs> Move the page. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and even pray purposefully. I honestly felt embarrassed because you'd think by then I'd recognize the importance of a spiritual community, but I made easy excuses for homework, sleeping in, club sports teams, and oh, I'll just pray today instead and I'll be fine. After those initial college years, I started to mature spiritually and actually understand how badly I needed a church community to thrive in my walk with Jesus. In my subsequent big moves in life to New York, Amsterdam, and now D.C., I made a conscious effort to get plugged into a church as soon as possible, and God has blessed me with people who became closer friends than anyone I met outside of church. I've started to be comfortable being uncomfortable because I know that my biggest reliance on God occurred when I took a step back and gave God the pen to write the next chapter of my life. I stand here today before you to tell you that getting baptized is the next big move in my life, and I'm honored to have gone through this process with Ben and Wesley. Even though this isn't the first time I've uprooted my life and moved somewhere without knowing anyone else, I was hesitant about moving here a few months ago. It was difficult to leave my family and lifelong friends for a new job in a new city. And ever since, and ever, but ever since I almost chose to go to college here, I always desired to live in this city at some point in my life, even though I really couldn't explain why. I can now confidently say that taking the 3,000 mile leap of faith was absolutely the right move, evident in my roommates and the people I've met at King's ever since day one. To me, baptism represents a commitment to the mission of God in this amazing church, as well as an announcement that my faith is 100% my own and not just an expected result of growing up in a spiritual community. I've been so unbelievably blessed in my life so far, and I'm extremely excited to see what Jesus has in store for my life story with the next, cha next chapter starting today. Thank you for your time listening to my testimony. Next, from the state of Kansas, we have Ann Krause. Adjust this for my height. Okay. 
great. Oh, I'm having issues. Okay. <laughs> okay. Can you hear me? Okay, great. So my name is Anna Krause. Hello, everybody. Um, so I've been following Jesus for nine years, but I haven't been baptized as an adult, so I'm taking care of that today. <laughs> um, so I'd like to do that to signify my new life in Christ as a personal choice that I have made and not just something that was made that for my infant baptism. So um, I, I read in Acts 8 about Philip sharing the gospel with the Ethiopian, and when he heard of the good news of the gospel, he immediately stopped to be baptized. So I was struck by how when he heard the gospel, he immediately was struck to be baptized, so I wanted to do the same today. So I originally came to follow Jesus after he showed me his faithfulness through an intense time in my life when I was dealing with health issues as a young teenager. When I was 14, I experienced severe double vision that could not be helped or cured with anything, and doctors didn't know what to do. There were several challenges I faced, but most notably, I had constant pain and headaches. School was an enormous challenge for me. I waited for months and months for answers to tests and doctor's appointments, trying to figure out what was going on. Um, so each day was filled with a lot of anxiety and tears and pain. And this was a period of my life where I was very angry at God for all of the pain that I endured daily. And I didn't understand why I had to suffer so much and why he didn't alleviate it for me when he was an all-powerful God. But thankfully, through the help of prayers of people in my life and seeing God's hand of goodness to me, even in difficult circumstances and pain, God worked on my heart to see a greater purpose through my trials, and my heart became, began to soften. So several months later, on a summer night, I experienced the power of prayer, and God showed me how powerful he is through intercession. Uh, my family and had a missionary friend of ours uh, over, and they were praying over me, and they laid their hands over my eyes, and the Lord's presence was undeniably in the room that night. While they were praying, I felt this burning sensation, and he physically moved my eye back into place, and I've not experienced double vision since that day. So he demonstrated his love for me in my life as a healer, and he completely healed me and restored my eyes to wholeness. So praise the Lord that he's gracious and he's patient with us. And he took my heart of stone when I was angry at him and didn't understand why and his purposes. And he drew me closer to him. And he gave me a heart of flesh, like it says in Ezekiel 36, 26. So today he continues to work in my life um, and to teach me to thank him for good gifts in every circumstance, even if my circumstances today aren't as crazy as they were during that particular period of my life. So when I look at my life through all the good gifts that he's given, it helps me to see his care for me in my life and to thank him and feel his presence. So thank you for listening to my story. Next up, we'll welcome Colin Miller from the state of North Carolina. All right. Good morning, y'all. Thanks. Thanks for being here. Um, I'm I'm so thankful for everyone who's visiting and um, to to come hear my testimony uh, brought to you by the great state of North Carolina. Um, <laughs> as as I was I was writing this and and Ben and Wesley were harassing me to get it done sooner. Uh, uh, I I really um, I really struggled to figure out how I was going to summarize the the work that Christ has done in my life since moving to Washington and joining this church. Um, like, like some of the other folks shared, I was extremely nervous, uh, still am. Um, and uh, I, I just kept wrestling with the question of how do you even begin to address um, when you have had a change that 
shifts you to your core, um, how you view yourself, your friends, your family, and the world we live in. Um, many, many of you who know me really well will know that um, despite the line of work I chose, I really do not enjoy public speaking at all, um, particularly when it's something um, that normally I've thought of as my private life or um, something that um, was just about myself. Um, it, it's been the faithfulness of so many of you who are visiting um, and the leadership and members of this church who've um, taught me to be more honest, vulnerable, and, and loving to, to those who are around me. Um, during this past Wednesday small group, I got some really good advice that I think is going to carry me through this process um, and gave me some overwhelming peace. Um, just knowing that this is this may be my story, but the work's Christ's um, and the glory belongs to him, and that um, all I have to do is tell it truthfully. Um, so here we go. That makes it a lot easier. Um, ever since I was a kid, I had a really um, intense desire to know who I was, um, who God was, and, and how I was supposed to spend my life, um, something that's grown really intensely um, as I've gotten older, especially the past couple years. I've always wanted to feel like I was a wise person, um, that I could give back um, and, and just be um, somebody who, who knew what they were doing. I wanted to feel like I was wiser and more put together than I was or that I ever felt. Um, I wanted to feel like I had it all figured out and, and that I didn't need any, anyone else to lean on. Um, for a long time, I thought that going to college and getting a degree would finally give me that feeling. I thought that um, having the perfect job um, would give me that feeling. Um, spoiler alert, it did not. Uh, um, I, had, I had an extremely restless heart. Um, I yearned for something more substantial, uh, more beautiful, and more true um, that I could find peace in um, and build my life upon. I needed an author and a perfecter, but I was looking throughout the fallen world for one. I found things that would distract me for a little bit, um, but when I found out they didn't meet my expectations, I would quickly turn to something else everything except what would actually help. Um, I never sought Christ or, or the church, um, even when looking back now, I knew he was calling me to do so. Um, discovering that a lot of these idols I created my, for myself didn't bring any joy would often be extremely devastating and make me feel like the earth was moving beneath my feet. I remember a few seasons of life that bring really painful memories of realizing that even though I had what I'd lusted after for years, I, I wasn't any different. Um, I saw the same problems, the same fears, and the same struggles. Earlier, early 2021 in particular was an extremely difficult period. For, the, for those of you in politics, you can guess why. Um, uh, when I thought I'd lost everything that gave me identity and power, um, I didn't have my dream job anymore, and I wasn't working on putting the letters PH and D behind my name, so I didn't know where to find identity and, and truth. I, I knew I needed a lot of help, but I didn't know um, where to turn or even how to ask. Um, that's when Christ came, rushing in like a whirlwind to find me um, by using a couple of the servants in this room, um, particularly Ben and Wesley, uh, meeting with meeting with me. Um, it was definitely a, um, a wind change for me um, and a lot of the, the men in this room, um, you know, Sean and um, Ian Banks are two in particular I really want to thank. Um, uh, but it wasn't through some magical experience, um, as magical as those experiences were, um, that that I that I found Christ. It was it was through a hundred, um, and I I really from the bottom of my heart want to thank everyone who's who's here um, because you've shown me how to um, 
how to pray, laugh, and love together. Um, and and um, even when I wasn't able to give you anything or wasn't the easiest person to love. Um, and so that's 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 been absolutely game changing in my life. Um, before I thought I was a Christian because I recognized the power of God as as Creator, and I acknowledged the divinity of Christ, and I you know, went to church a couple times and, and prayed a couple times a year um, and generally thought I was a, a good person. Um, jury's still out, I guess. But, uh, um, but I, didn't, I did not want a personal relationship with Christ um, or change anything about the way that I live my life. Um, I was running away from him as fast as I could. Looking back, um, and to be completely honest with, with myself and, and everyone, I was, I was afraid. I was, I was very afraid of ever even thinking about the divine or Christ. I was afraid of accepting the, the weight of glory of being God's son, surrendering myself and, and leaning on him or, or anyone. I was afraid of giving up my very narrow vision of what life was to Christ. I thought that, I thought that giving, giving myself to Christ meant I had to give everything up um, that, I, that I loved. Um, and in a way, that, that's true, but it's only because Everything that I do love in this world is only a reflection of his work and, and his grace and mercy to all of us. Um, they're only shadows of what he's given us on the cross. Um, the love we're all seeking is reflective of his boundless grace and mercy. The meaning we all want in jobs, degrees, and passions is meaningless if we're untethered um, from our, our real relationship with each other and, and with our Father, more importantly. We're just borrow, we're borrowing the beauty of what Christ did for us and his intercession. Um, the members and leadership of this church, um, as well as being a part of the wider body of believers in Washington, has taught me um, the meaning of following Christ in all aspects of my life. There's not a square inch of my life that isn't his or that I don't want to give to him. Um, while we're all still, we're all still going to be a bit restless, um, no matter how great the community is or how great our lives are going, we're all going to be a little restless until we get to our final final destination. Um, but I know I have a spot of shade to sit and wait uh, for eternity at King's Church until I get there. Um, I'm extremely grateful to be here. Um, thank you, Ben and Wesley, for um, welcoming me, in, me into the church family. Um, I'm looking forward to going further up and further in with everybody in the years to come. Thank you so much for. Yeah. Finally, from Texas, we have Liz Gwynn. Hi. There is so much freedom in this room, and I think that that is amazing. Um, so all I'm going to do is be honest with you about why I am free. So Jesus became my Lord and Savior when I was seven, so I've been following him for the majority of the past couple decades. I've always known God, but have gone through periods where I deliberately chose not to act like it, not least of which being in the middle of college. I'd gotten really good at hiding my sin. I'm sorry if you knew me during that time because I was probably hiding a lot from you. Um, it was eating me alive. So one night I was at a bar and during this point in my life, I was usually not there for any kind of good reason, but this just shows that God can meet you literally anywhere. Um, while I was there, one of my friends shared this analogy with me that 
changed the way that I viewed Jesus forever. She said, think of the best earthly father-daughter relationship that you can imagine. The father loves the daughter unconditionally and will do everything in his power to protect her. He gives her instruction on ways to live to keep her safe and healthy and at her best, and he only wants what's beautiful and good for her. And as much as the dad loves the daughter, she feels the same toward him. Um, she wants nothing more than to be close to him. What happens, though, when the daughter goes against her dad's instruction? It doesn't change how much he loves her, but it does break trust and put distance in the relationship. Our response to God is similar. We want to do what he asks because of our love for him and our response to what he has done for us. But when we don't, it doesn't change how much he loves and pursues us. It does put distance in that relationship, though. This is why we run from sin, as a response to love. Not to earn love, not to boast in what we can do, but because of love that we have already and will always continue to receive. God has gone through a million iterations of transforming my heart, uh, including my heart for sharing his glory with the nations. Not going to get super into that right now. Um, this particular story, though, is one of my favorites. I don't know how it took me so long to actually get it, but in that moment, something new was unlocked, and I saw my Heavenly Father with totally new eyes. A lot of people start these with, I grew up in a Christian home, so allow me to be neither the first nor the last to do the same. My parents were and still are incredible role models for what it looks like to follow Jesus and put him in charge of your life. So shout out to them for being the original people to disciple me. They're watching online. Love you guys. Um, they made sure that I knew the gospel from a very early age. So why am I just now participating in believer's baptism? That is a wonderful question I ask myself all the time. <laughs> Here are just a few highlights. I grew up Methodist, and so for most of my life, I never questioned whether I was baptized because I was baptized as an infant. So I can't pinpoint exactly when I started wondering about the distinction, but it was sometime in recent years. Uh, moving to DC really jump-started this process, which, small aside, I did not want to move here, literally at all. Um, but <laughs> God made <laughs> Yeah, facts, right? So many of you in this room probably feel the same way. Um, I'm in awe of how God has already used me being in this place, so this is just a testament that like, I'm never going to not do something that he tells me ever again. Um, <laughs> anyway, moving here sparked a lot more questions about this for me, and the more I dug into the word to find answers, the more I saw this very simple pattern in scripture. Step one, choose to follow Jesus. Step two, get baptized. Jesus did it. Like, why? Who am I to say that I'm not supposed to do that too? And I thought many a thought along this line for the past few months. And like I'm sure many of you can relate to, all of my best worship, prayer, breakdown moments happen in the shower. So <laughs> um, I'm in the shower one day. I'm praying about this internal struggle I've been having about whether or not to get baptized. And uh, God, in his gentleness, revealed to me some truth that did not feel super gentle uh, <laughs> when it hit me. Every single reason that I was telling myself for why it didn't make sense to do this was rooted in my pride, self-reliance, and stubbornness. <sighs> Try that on for size. Uh, in that moment, the Holy Spirit convicted me to fight that stupid pride and share how the Lord has been faithful to me through this beautiful and sacred opportunity to be buried and raised with him again. So I'm just being obedient. 
My faith has been in no way a linear growth progression. You would think like if you plotted spiritual maturity over time that you would kind of be doing this situation. No, uh, that is not how it works. So to level with you, I'm going through a season where I'm kind of mad at God and I'm having a hard time walking with him closely. That is really the kicker about being human. We are fickle and God is not. The beauty of being his is that it literally does not matter how I'm feeling toward him in this particular time in my life because no matter what happens, there are countless stories that I can point to that show his consuming, undeniable, inexhaustible faithfulness. So who am I to say that he will not do it again? Even when I can't show up for him in the way that I so badly want to, he is holding me, and I have never and will never leave his hand. Even in the middle of a time where I'm struggling to love God, he is not struggling to love me. And he is not struggling to love you. I don't know who needs to hear that. Um, that is what I'm here to declare today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of King's Church DC podcast. If this sermon encouraged you, please like, rate, and subscribe to our podcast. For more information on our church and service times, please visit kingschurchdc.com. We hope you will join us again next week.